Adam with Splendid Sports here, joined by Dylan from Double D Vintage Baseball Cards. How you doing, Dylan? Very good. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Really excited about tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I asked uh, asked Dylan to come on with me. I, I started doing this thing uh, back in June where uh, I, I am a Card Ladder subscriber. Card Ladder, if you're not familiar with anyone out there, it's a... Uh, you know, it's a data tool online, similar to vintage card prices, uh, market movers. Card Ladder is the one that I've been using for a little bit. And um, I think it's got some cool data in it, some cool information. So we're going to be talking uh, pr vintage card market pricing, give our opinions on a few things, do some shout outs. Uh, I got some stuff to, to share, a couple sales from the previous month that uh, I wanted to share with Dylan and, and get his thoughts on. Uh, so just general uh, market stuff. We don't talk about this all the time, but, you know, I try to do at least on a monthly basis to not only kind of look at the index that I built um, with vintage sports cards, but uh, even on a, like today, we're going to be looking real high level stuff as far as like overall vintage market and look back in time too to, to see where we were and where we are now and, and maybe what we think the future might hold. Um, but first, one of, the, one of the reasons, other than that I just love talking to him, that I wanted to get Dylan on with me here is because not only does he have an awesome vintage channel on YouTube, but Dylan, you've had a uh, an eBay store since, is it 2001? Is that what the I, year it was? I want to say 99 or 2000. eBay, it's been, you know, I started, yeah, when it, whatever it says on eBay, I can't remember. It's either 99 to 2001, one of those years. It, it, I would love to hear like, because you've through every the chart that I'm going to show, you've been selling on eBay since through that whole period up till now. I mean, I, I you sold. I think it was like when I looked at your store, it's like close to seven thousand items since you've been on there. Hundred percent feedback rating, which is cr crazy that you sold that many things without any neg negative feedback. Uh, so I just yeah, I wanted to get just a, maybe a history on it and and some of the things maybe you've picked up from it uh, from like a market standpoint. Um, I'm sure it's been crazy over the last couple of years running a store like that. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad. Cause I, I kind of wanted to narrow it down and see where we wanted to go. This Cause I could talk for like six hours on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my eBay thing has my entire life. I've talked about this before. I've always wanted, my dream has always been to sell baseball cards for a living and I'm a collector, but I, the way I collect is sell other cards and make money off them. Um, so although all through the years I have been buying and selling cards, I went through the whole graded thing when it first started and was buying and selling those cards on eBay. And there was one year where, I mean, I had astronomical amount of sales and then I got in trouble with my whole credit card thing. And I talked about in the past, like I owed money and I didn't know like, Oh, I should just wait a month until the sales come in. Took care of all that. Fast forward a few years, like was still buying and selling on eBay, but it wasn't like, okay, I gotta go get a, I gotta get a real job and like do things. So after that situation around 2006 till 2013, I was buying boxes and packs and still collecting vintage, but I was buying this stuff with a buddy of mine and we were reselling everything we pulled out of those packs or I was on my eBay, my cards, and he was doing it on his. And what we did was I would sell everything that was worth money at the time. So say 
uh, like bring it up to today's standards are Fernando Tatis. If I, it was 2016 Bowman Chrome and I pulled a Fernando Tatis, I would put it on eBay and sell it instantly. So anyone that was a high dollar rookie card, high dollar autograph insert, I sold it right away. And I kept all the stuff that was worth a dollar or less. And I didn't sell any of it. Commons to all the rookies. They didn't, didn't mean anything. That was like the game plan my whole life. Like, I'm going to make money this. I just know it. This is the way to do it. Sell the stuff that's hot because everyone's buying it. Keep the stuff that's not worth anything. Did that for a decade. Okay. Fast forward all the way till five years ago when I moved over to Hawaii and I go, okay, well, I was done with my job. I had a job for 20 years on the mainland. I ran a company, um, did very well. And I told I told many people this. I told my dad, like, dude, if I can't figure out how to make money on selling sports cards, then I failed in life because that's what I've always wanted to do. Okay. I changed my motto on that because I, I don't need to do that anymore. I found other avenues of, of revenue and like fun businesses that I've created. And with my wife's thing, I'm still going to go on that prospect later in life. But I, so basically fast forward five years ago, I came over over into Hawaii and I said, I'm going to sell all my commons. And so what I did was I started taking pictures. So I organized my cards and I had what? Six, 5,000 count boxes, at least of, you know, from 2006 to 2000 and think 11, something like that, 2010 boxes. And so I organized them and I started listing common cards. So I go through sets. So each listing, when you did eBay originally, when I started back then in five years or when I started listing these commons, you know, you had to have a subscription to eBay if you're familiar with it. And they give you, back then it was only a thousand listings a month I could use. So my motto was, okay, I'm going to list each card. And within that listing, I had 10 of them available or 20 or, you know, doubles. So I, I tried to get all the ones that I had multiple copies of up there first because that's how eBay worked. And so I started selling them and I, and I had a price point of like a dollar 39, I think was my cheapest card back then is making like a quarter a card after everything. And this is before they had tracking available for um, shipping. So like I was always, my mind, I was always competing with Burbank sports cards, which is yeah. ridiculous. They're like massive. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to shoot for the best. So, I, you know, if I didn't know the price of a card, I'd look at what, what's Burbank selling it for. And I get, okay, well, I'm going to sell it for a little cheaper, 50 cents cheaper. And they they charge $4 for shipping. So you got to buy a lot of cards with them. And I'm always a free shipping guy. So five years ago, started doing that. And, you know, I started selling stuff. And it takes forever to gain, like, um, a lot of, listings you right like a thousand listings taking a picture of everyone front and back and and so on and so on that's why i wanted to do like one listing is worth 10 cards so i had this game plan in my head um i started finding some really high dollar cards like i found a whole bunch little offshoot i found a whole bunch of clayton kershaw rookies like i found a thousand dollar chrome update rookie that i had in the pack that was it was open pack but i just shoved cards in there and i found like eight of his other update rookies Oh, I was just like, well, this is insane. These were a hundred dollars each. And then that one I sold for 900. So it really got the, got my blood pumping. I was like, wow, this is, this is 
awesome. I'm going to keep going down this path. Then the, then the bubble hit, or I guess it wasn't a bubble yet. You know, the pandemic hit and the sales just started taking off. And all that time I had all that time from when I started selling commons, um, like in 2008, selling all the cards that were hot right out of the packs, I learned what sells. And so in the meantime, there in the whole way, I was buying like loads of Mickey Mantle cards, common cards, which I call them ones that you collect. Yeah. Um, I was buying Willie Mays cards. So I have thousands and thousands of their insert cards. So once that pandemic hit, that stuff started just like steamrolling. And I, so I started selling a thousand dollars in common cards every single month and it's still at that pace. So it's really fun to see. Everyone thinks this, the market just like peaked then. My sales have just barely kind of gone like this. It was, yeah, it was crazy. You know, I was packing out like 20 cards a day. Um, but now I'm like about, you know, eight cards to, you know, four to eight cards a day. And it's just started just, just kind of steamrolling. And I take all that money that I sell my common cards in and I turn it into vintage. So that's where my budget comes in with my vintage. So anyone who sees me buy like a big card or I have a bunch of vintage cards, this isn't just money that, you know, I went to work for and, and got it. This is from my baseball cards. So for the tax man reasons, it's another reason for me. Anytime I sell a card, I have to spend that much money because this is a hobby for me and it's tax man knows about it. And I have to make sure that I spend more than what's coming in and I have my collections to prove it. Um, so it, it's been fun to see that there's the market's still booming. I'm selling cards left and right. I still have an average of about $800 in sales every month on common cards. I consider common. Um, maybe some people don't, maybe you don't because you've got Mickey Mantle cards that you're buying from me. Um, but they're commons in my mind. Um, so that's, that's, mantles. Yes. that's, that's where, right. that's where I'm going with the, with the whole thing. And it's been really fun to see. So that's well, kind of my eBay, eBay deal right now. Yeah. And, that, and that's why, um, if on the screen here, this is this is from uh, Card Ladder, and Card Ladder has a bunch of indexes. Again, it, no, it's never going to be a perfect, ex, you know, illustration of of the market or anything, but it it does paint a really interesting picture. This this is kind of um, what you were just talking about with your what you notice in your eBay store. So you know, this is not new data, but this is something I want to we want to talk vintage, but I want to yeah. compare it to this, which is this is the Card Ladder fifty. So this is a 50 hand-selected cards that, that Card Ladder feels best represent the card market. So it's a mix. It's some vintage, but it's a lot of modern, ultra-modern, different sports. And so it gives a good picture of, you know, things were just flat, humming along. This is back to 2004. 2004. Flat, flat, you know, a little bump here, but flat, little, little rise, little rise. And then there's that pandemic um, boom that you said you noticed in your store in the first you know, end of 2020, beginning of 2021, and then boom, uh, straight down after that, you know, and then it's been kind of fluctuated. It's going down even further now. So um, it's still a lot higher than it used to be as far as the overall market, but there was definitely that peak as you can see, and then has come down and has not even sniffed the, the, the level that it hit for a brief period of time there. Um, but what I want to show is 
that's the the overall index. There's also a vintage index, and this I think this paints a really good picture. Um, so same thing, flat flat for many 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 years since 2003. The vintage one goes back. No, pretty much. And I noticed this too when I was buying cards off eBay in like you know 2012, 13, 14. It felt like the prices were always about the same from year to year of the cards that I was buying, graded cards. You know, it'd be, it would go up a little bit, but pretty flat. Um, a little rise here in 2017, then flat for a while. then And then you get that peak. Now, the difference is you have a peak that's not as severe, and then it goes down a little bit as the market kind of tanked. Vintage went down a little bit. But look now, it's since then, it has gone even higher than the peak in 20, early 2021. It's at levels that vintage has never seen, not even in the, the pandemic boom. And it's, I mean, it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's a great, I, I love that chart. I mean, we all knew back, you know, as collecting for as long as we have, there was such a stagnant period. But seeing a chart like this, for me, it just like affirms like my love for baseball cards isn't just it, it, it's it's just it's exciting to see them worth money. I mean, I printed out a I printed out a chart also to see like inflation, you know, because I'm like super like crazy weird like that, and I've always been into this stuff, and I'm just like, is our baseball cards a waste of my money my whole life i'm like are these things really gonna be worth money i mean i just love them so i just kept buying them but man when i look at the inflation rate it's in 2004 to now it's gone up 56 percent so a dollar back then is now worth a dollar 57 now or that's what it is so baseball cards crushed it like i could have just instead of holding on to money i should just kept buying more baseball cards i mean i did but like it's it's, it feels really good. And anyone who says it doesn't feel good that cards have gone up, I mean, I don't know who they're lying to, but I love it. I'm super stoked on it. And I think it's 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 awesome. And it's an affirmation for me to like, man, just keep collecting. It's so fun. And, and I think that I'm like a guy that during that peak – of I don't know what you were buying during the mega peak, but during that mega peak, I was going back and looking at prices from 2015, 2010, and buying cards that had not moved. And I was all nervous because I had friends going, "Man, are you killing it?" And I'm like, "I mean, I'm selling cards in eBay, but are your are you a mil are your cards worth a million dollars?" I'm like, "Cause they all know I collect." No, they haven't even moved yet. <laughs> My vintage stuff, our vintage stuff was so far behind that huge peak, unless you had the, the high-end vintage stuff, they did hit that peak. But my stuff was still pretty slow, but it, it had that rise, and it's fun to see. And I look back at cards that I was spending $20 on, and now they're worth $40. And that's, they're not, I'm not, I didn't buy a $1,000 card back then, and it's worth 30000 like you bought that one, you know, the Larry Bird. I didn't have that. I didn't do that. And, and, you know, going forward, is that going to continue? You know, me, I don't think so. I think there's going to be a gap filled in between. I don't care if I'm right or wrong, but what are your thoughts on like the PSA eights and nines of the world? Are they going to continue to rise or are the other ones going to play catch up? Well, I think there's a couple points that I wanted to make. So I wanted to show the data first and then 
throw out some opinions and maybe get some feedback from you and also anyone who watches that wants to comment. Um, but one of the things that I really think is happening it, it, because I'm seeing it is, you know, we saw that spike, right? During that spike in early 2021, there was a lot of people and it was, it's mostly basketball and football. Mostly uh, people were spending crazy amounts of money on uh, Kobe Bryant and LeBron and Michael Jordan and, uh, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? So there was tons of money. And if you look at, if you look at those indexes, those players, they are, they have many, like this Kobe Bryant cards that PSA 10 rookie cards that have declined 80% from that peak. So we're talking yeah. people that spent a lot of money. And what's, what's going on, in my opinion, is not only is it guys like us who, you know, our age bracket, who are trying to buy the cards that we've always wanted, the vintage cards, but it's guys that, um, who are moving from that, you know, they, they got killed, right, in basketball and football and modern stuff. And they're now they're, they're moving over to vintage. And a lot of them don't know a ton about it, but they're looking for something that they feel like will be less um, severe <laughs> as far as the, the swings. Uh, and they're looking for maybe a safer play, but they're looking for something also that would go up. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting period moving forward because, I mean, even just some of the some of the bigger YouTube channels, some of the bigger podcasts, if you look at what they were documenting as far as what they were buying last year and what they were talking about uh, versus what they're talking about now, vintage is way more on their radar. They're, they're talking about buying Mickey Mantles. They're talking about buying, uh, you know, mostly baseball. Honestly, the, the basketball and the football haven't really done that much compared to baseball. Vintage baseball, I'm seeing guys who only collected football cards uh, or only collected basketball cards now buying Mickey Mantle cards. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what their intentions are with it. I, I don't think they're like at heart Mickey Mantle fans or fans of vintage baseball cards. There's a lot of people that are looking at those and going, I could put a, a good amount of money into these and, you know, in a year sell them or, you know, so that I, 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 I don't know, but it looks to me like there's going to be some of that market stuff that we saw with other things. I hope not, but it, it might. We might see some volatility going on here in the near future because of the new entrants into the vintage market that are. It's really happening now, uh, so that's one thing I, I noticed. And it's uh, I don't know what to make of it. I just know that it's it's probably going to be. Pre I, w w one shout out too is I watched an interview um, yesterday. I, I think you watched it too, which was uh, Doctor Beckett with um, baseball card collector Mike and. As, as anything I ever listened to with, with Dr. Beckett, you know, I listen to it very carefully and I get a lot from it and I learn from it. One of the things he said was he would like to see steady growth, but he doesn't think that's possible in the current market. He sees, you know, he's optimistic about, you know, vintage going up in the long run further, but um, he's he doesn't expect it to be a smooth ride like it maybe has been where it goes up, you know, eight, 10 percent a year. And I, I kind of agree with that based on what I'm seeing as far as the people that are now getting into vintage that are going to be throwing some big money around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And what I like really like what I agreed with what he said was he's buying the low dollar stuff and you have less risk. Like mm -hmm. you could buy a thousand dollars worth of $50 cards 
and not feel bad if that thousand dollars becomes worth 500 because you have more of the cards. I mean, that's how mine line works rather than having a $1,000 card that, you know, gets cut in half and it's one card and you're just like, whoo, that was tough. But a chances of a $50 card getting cut to 25 is less anyways. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like buying a high growth stock and, or a, a Pepsi or a Coca-Cola and you're just, I, I just, I have a, I'm still trying to focus like, what your thoughts are on like the PSA nines and the super rare stuff. Like to me, it's like going to be that super spike and spike down. And of course it's going to affect the lower end stuff, but the lower end stuff is, isn't that high already. Like, I feel like that stuff still has a long way to come up. A nice looking four to me has a lot more room to move up than a, a PSA nine, but there's a lot of billionaires out there and guys, with a lot of money that can make crazy stuff happen. So yeah, what, it's just it's two completely separate things, really. There's there's two. I mean, the the people who are spending, you know, they're looking for um, mantle PSA nines and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron PSA nines. Uh, that's just that. There's going to be a lot of fluctuation there. Uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at too. Is the high end is like, for example, there was uh, I wanted to talk about a couple sales I noticed from last month that were in the cards that I was tracking. Just a couple examples. There was a PSA 9 Ozzie Smith rookie, 1979 Ozzie Smith. The PSA 9s, again, based on eye appeal, could go from, uh, you know, anywhere from two to 4,000. I've seen, you know, 3,000 being kind of an average recently. Then there was a sale, PSA 9, of $15,000 last month on PWCC for, for, <laughs> for this card. Five, five times or whatever that it normally sells for. And I looked at it, and it turned out it's, uh, you know, it's a, you know how P PWCC does the eye appeal ratings? Yeah, it's like the E or something. 5%. And that's a crazy card because there's literally, I think, only five PSA 10s of that rookie card. So the, it sells for hundreds of thousands of dollars in many cases. So that was probably someone making a play thinking, hey, I could maybe um, upgrade that to a 10. And then it's going to be an investment type thing. But those are the type of swings that I think we'll continue to see in some of these vintage cards in the high grades, people that are making plays, people thinking, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy it for X and then sell it in the short term, for, which I, I don't love with that. I don't think that's the right mindset with vintage, but it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent on that. It, it is. It, it's going to happen. You know, what was scary about the whole crash of the basketball card market and the, and all the, and the baseball card, the modern stuff. I thought that would crush the whole industry. I, I was like, I was wrong about that. I thought, Oh, vintage, we're done. We didn't even get to test the waters. You know, it, it was, I was like, man, these guys, obviously that was going to happen. In my mind, it was like, yeah, I, I was scared. I thought, I'm like, oh man, there it goes. Base vintage. I'm like, man, well, bummer. Everyone's going to get out of the card market. Everyone's going to freak out. But you know what? As we've seen, all those guys, you know, they took the heat, they took the loss, and they're still in the game, which they're blew still my in the mind. Game. And now, but here, to your point, I just want to show a couple player index, indexes of baseball yes. players. The the storm that they've been able to weather. I mean, yeah, please. these guys, oh. unbelievable. That I mean, th there's just nothing that can stop these guys. They're unbelievable. Yeah. As far, I mean, the strength that I'm going to show the uh, first one. Uh, let's go. Let's go Mickey Mantle, of course, the king of the hobby. 
Uh, and just look at this. Thought. Yeah, good looking. Just weathering the storm. Everyone else is crashing and yeah. he just keeps going up. Um, same yeah. with, let's go, Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Beautiful. Still look at climbing. That jump Willie Mays had. Oh, look at That's that. That's crazy. That's, That's bizarre. Wow. Maybe because he was trying to catch up. He's not still not even close, but wow. If that was a stock, people would be just like oh, unbelievable. Amazon. Yeah. That's um, it. Look at, but even guys like uh, I wanted to show Hank Aaron. Yeah, I'd like to see his. And this is an interesting one too because. Oh wow! Okay, wow! He had a peak back then. He had a peak. There was something going on there too in 2016. I, I heard something about that. Um, I I know like guys like Roberto Clemente too had crazy spikes like that. Uh, there was a few huge sales back in 2016 that really spiked it. It looks but, like the exact same spike right there. It's so weird looking. Yeah, and look at this straight up. Now this is when he passed away. He he passed oh, away yeah. in January. 2021 so that coinciding with that boom anyway it's like a straight a straight lineup yeah and but yeah he went down he came down but now look he's still still climbing still going he's higher than he was even right after he passed away yeah. uh and then just a couple other ones i wanted to show uh let's go ted williams and i'm getting i'm getting to a larger point here that i want to get i want to ask Ted you Williams. there we go i like this one this is a steady eddie right here steady steady growth Yes. But still a little spike there, but not as great, you know, so, but now he's just higher than, yeah, higher than he ever was, um, regardless of what what's going on in the larger market. And then the last one I wanted to show, uh, Stan Musial, who sometimes can be overlooked, um, even though he was just as great, but again, still, you know, still steady rise, a couple peaks there, but like right now we're at higher than even like, when the overall card market was peaking. So yeah, it's amazing. I so like the, to see it. It feels right. I mean, this is the bread and butter vintage baseball cards. That's what started cards. You know, that's it. So here, here's my, here's a question for you that I wanted to ask you. Um, I want to give another shout out to a recent show interview um, or conversation that I watched. I Don. <laughs> it, there was one uh, James on James elite hunters channel. He had uh, John Mangini on and, you know, there was, I think the title of the video was, is vintage getting its due or something like that. And it was yeah. just a great, great conversation. Great conversation. Yeah. I loved it. I watched the whole thing. Um, but there was one part that I found very interesting. John Mangini, uh, we all know him, you know, he's just a, a treasure, a treasure on YouTube. Uh, one no, of the best collectors. Unbelievable. Um, but he, he said, if I, John, if you watch this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I heard you say you, you don't, you're not predicting anything, but you fear, one of your fears is that right now, I'm going to bring this chart back up. Uh, as we can see, vintage, if you look at the chart, vintage is peaking right now, all time, even higher than when other things peak. But John fears that we might be, I think what he meant was maybe you tell me how you took it, but I think he means that he's, he's afraid that we might be at a peak, like a yeah. peak peak. You know what I mean? Looking back in the future, this could be the peak uh, just based on, I don't know, I guess he thinks the age ranges of people in that are buying vintage right now, he thinks it's kind of like a perfect storm. What do you think? I mean, I have a different opinion. <laughs> I have a completely different opinion than John. And John has way more knowledge on baseball cards 
and life and investing than I do. But my opinion is that I didn't grow up knowing who Mickey Mantle was. Like I was never told about Mickey Mantle was who he was. I just gravitated towards vintage cards just because I just saw them and I just loved them. And these guys in the in the modern cards are definitely getting a taste of Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays, regardless of what anyone thinks. When they open a pack, they're getting reprints. They're getting the 58 reprints. They're getting Topps Archives and all the different stuff. My nephew, like, he's like, oh, I don't like Willie Mays. I don't like Mickey Mantle. But you know what? Give him, if he stays in baseball, give him 10 years or when he's in high school, he's going to think about these players. And when an Albert Pujols comes along and hits 700 home runs, hopefully, you know, it, it brings a conversation conversation in. And, and the chart is like uh, picking the peak of anything is impossible, right? And John can agree with that, I'm sure. Um, it's impossible. And the peak of like PSA 9s is going to be a different peak than my collector style collection, right? Like even below collector grade now. Like I barely even look at fives in Willie Mays's and Mickey Mantle's anymore. And I'm looking at fours. Um, before I was looking at sevens when we were younger, you know, it's like there's going to be different peaks in within our hobby of the grades. That's my opinion. So whether he has that same opinion or not, I don't know if he's referring to the high end market peaking or just vintage cards altogether peaking. My opinion is vintage cards are never going to go out of style and they're going to be around and collectibles forever. And the next generation will come along and start. I'm big on tops and this, and they, and he talks about the circulated cards. I love the circulated cards uh, and I love the cards that were in packs and wax packs. And, and so I always kind of like, I'd rather have 10 copies of one, you know, tops card than, you know, a card that's obscure, which he loves to collect. And maybe I'll go that path later. Um, I don't know, but that, that's just my thoughts and my opinions. And, you know, I could be a hundred percent wrong and he could be a hundred percent right. And we're still on the same page. We still just, we're just doing this for fun and it, it so that that's my thoughts yeah and, and the bottom line is whether whether we you could think one thing you know you could be think vintage cards are going to be worth way more forever in the future or you could think maybe they're not you know maybe you fear certain things but the bottom line is it doesn't affect what you love you could love something forever and you know i've had my you know when i think about it sometimes i i'm an optimist but i also can see the yeah. other side of it but that doesn't affect you know what I'm going to do regardless, I'm still going to be buying and collecting. And um, yeah. I, I think another great point that I heard, again, I've been, I've been enjoying a lot of these conversations I've been seeing on YouTube recently. Absolutely. Another thing Dr. Beckett said that really stuck in my head on uh, that conversation with, um, with Mike Moynihan is he mentioned, cause they talked about fanatics, right? When fanatics is they're coming in and their goal is over the next period of years, to uh, add like 25% more collectors every year. That's a certain goal they have, right? And, you know, I think a lot of people assume like, oh, well, they're just, you know, they're focused on, um, they just want to make sure the new, you know, the new releases and so forth keep increasing in price or whatever. But Dr. Beckett made a great point, which was they need a legacy. Fanatics as a company to succeed needs the cards of the past 
to appreciate in value and, and not crash or not be worth less than they used to be because it's a it's an example of, hey, you should be investing or buying these cards now and collecting them because look at look at what the cards of the past are doing and still doing. Um, so it's something that they have, I think, a vested interest in whatever marketing they're going to do and promotion. I think it's not just going to be for uh, new releases or current players. I think there's a lot of marketing they could do about the history of, of sports cards too that would, you know, um, expose some of these newer collectors that they might bring in to the past and, and that they might want to collect a certain percentage might make their way back to vintage, which would help, you know, help that market too. So. Yeah. Let me, I want to add something real fast. Like when I look back on the past, when I was buying, when I started getting into the, the vintage full on in the, in 2099, something like that. If I knew what I knew now and had the confidence I, I was always buying stocks like in high school. I, my uncle was a stockbroker from Maryland. So I gave him $4,000 when I was working in high school. He gave him $4,000 to invest in stocks for me. It was like 10 years later and I, and the stocks were worth a little less than what I gave him. And I'm just like, what? How is this even possible? How is this guy who knows everything about something worth less than I might have the date exactly not? Right. How is it worth less than what I gave him? At that moment is when I really started going into the stock thing and be like, dude, I could do better than this. In, in hindsight, seeing this, I wish I would have just bought baseball cards because baseball cards are something that I don't want to sell, like the vintage stuff. I don't sell this stuff unless I don't like the card anymore or like, oh, I don't like this about it or I have another one. Um I don't sell the vintage stuff. So selling a stock is, is a lot easier than selling a baseball card. So I would be way more well off if I would have just bought baseball cards because I would have kept them the whole time. By buying a Coca-Cola stock, I could have bought a whole bunch of Mickey Mantles in, you know, in high school and I gave my uncle the money and I would have way more money because I still don't touch that other money either. I might as well have it in cards, something I enjoy. And I'm realizing that. And that's something that I'm taking into the future with me. And I'm not that I'm not into stocks and I trade stocks and I buy stocks, but I sold a, a chunk this year and I am going to invest that into cards at some point. And it's like one of those things that I, I'm like finally getting the confidence after seeing your charts and other people's charts and not that I don't think this thing's going to go straight up to the moon, no chance, but I'm okay with it hovering with inflation like I, the chart i showed like it, i'm okay with that i'm not gonna sell it so it's it's safe for me and it's enjoy the money as a car and i and i think that a lot of people don't like that part of it like you think it's money well it is in a way and, it, and one day i might sell all my cards one day and i'm not going to be ashamed of that and one day i might have a sale of everything just because it's exciting for me to like what is this going to be worth one day when I'm 60 or something? I'm not going to die with all these cards. I'm either going to give them to my nephews or I'm going to sell them at one point and keep certain ones until I die. couple. But one day I'm going to sell them. I'm not just going to die with all of them. I'm not like everybody else. I'm going to keep, I'm going to sell, sell them or give them to my nieces and nephews. A point I kind of wanted to add. And I, I appreciate John Mangini whether we agree or not, none of us know, right? But I appreciate him throwing that out there because here's the difference, you know, between the vintage community 
And like when I when I started, uh, you know, I, I like to watch a little of everything, especially back when I first tuned back into sports cards. You know, I was watching Sports Card Investor. I was yeah. listening to different podcasts, vintage stuff. But it, 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 you know, one of the things during this peak, right, while it was up there going up, uh, you didn't hear anything, at least I didn't, about um, be careful or uh, just, just look oh. at this chart. Look, look where we are compared to you heard nothing. It was all going to keep going up and buy that. And, but you got to also think about the people like we're, we're a little more experienced um, and you definitely are with, with vintage and, and buying and prices and so forth. But you got to also think about what about the, the new person who's let's say our age and didn't come, come in during the, the, the boom. Right. But now they're just coming in. Right. Cause there's people yeah. coming in all the time back to the, to the hobby that are our age bracket and, and so forth. What about the person who comes back? And they're just coming in, right? They're coming in and the prices are high, right? Yes, they could go up. But it's nice, I think, of a, for a guy like John to throw a warning out there that like, look, just be careful. Keep an eye on things. Be smart uh, because you never know. We all hope that things are always going to go up. But, and to Dr. Beckett's point, I think there could be some volatility, even in vintage. For someone who's coming in right now who sees Ozzy Smith sell for $15,000, a PSA nine, I'm, like it's it, the stakes are a lot higher now than they used to be. People come in with money and they have good intentions, and even with vintage, uh, that's all. I, I think it's it's nice to see some caution that you didn't see in the other parts of the market. I agree, hundred percent. It's great to give the warning signs, but you know what? You if you're, you're like follow like my uh, someone like me, you're like, dude, you don't need to buy a thousand dollar card. Just no. buy a yeah. year's card. Like, right. there's no risk in that. Like Dr. Becca says, there's no risk in spending $5 on a baseball card or a dollar in a dollar box. There's no risk on spending $25 on a PSA 4. There's no risk there. It's collecting. And right. there and if it goes up in value, it's just a bonus. And and it's and it's it's fun, it's exciting. The 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 whole like buy a PSA 9 like people coming in now, man, I hope they're not just going out and buying PSA 8s and 9s cuz that's crazy. You know, it's different because we have collections that were so old that people see our cards and they're like, man, that thing's $500. You're like, well, it costs like 50 bucks back then. You know, so it, it is definitely different for new people. And it is good that John puts a warning out there. And it's been fun to listen to everybody. Yeah, I mean, you got like, uh, I collect some Tom Brady too. That's, that's again, wh wh whether his prices go up or down, it's, he's my favorite football player. I grew up, you know, New England Patriots fan. So it's, it's a, it's just someone I want to collect with football. Um, but so I keep an eye on like, there's, there's some pretty big Tom Brady uh, collectors and dealers on, on social media and like Instagram and so forth. And um, I noticed at least one or two of them, like just recently, it was always, they, they, it was either always, always like football, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. It was like Patrick Mahomes. And that, that was their lane. Like they would buy and sell and they talk about the market for them. And it was, I'm noticing at least a couple of them are now buying Mickey Mantle cards. <laughs> because, so so like, this is part of the reason why I want to talk about this. And these are good, good guys. Like they're not, they're not like buffoons or anything like goof guys. Uh, these are like smart guys and they're, they're coming in, they're coming into the vintage baseball market and they got some good money that they're, they're putting behind it. So, you know, it's, you see things like that. And look, I never, I'd never tell anyone to shy away from buying Mickey Mantle cards if you can afford it. Um, but 
I think a lot of them are coming in with the, they're hearing this, they're hearing Mickey Mantle never goes down. Mickey Mantle, he's a, you know, he's a safe play and he, yeah, he is. Right. But like, there's going to be spend a hundred dollars. Yeah, but they're not, they're not going to do that. They're going to come in and they're buying, I already they're buying 56 tops, uh, SGC sixes and sevens. And yeah, it's crazy. You know, they're, they're throwing big money around and look, everyone makes their own decisions, but that does what other people do definitely affect collectors like vintage collectors too. Like those, it causes prices to spike and then they'll panic sell and then they'll shoot. So the, the point is um, there's tools out there. There's ways where you can, if you're newer and you want to get into vintage, like you said, you start small, you know, don't go crazy, get a feel for it, but use the data out there, use the card ladders and whatever you want to use to look at the history and um, take your time. Yeah. It's been fun. I've been, ha I'm having a blast. I just hope everyone knows that this is all for fun and this is collecting and these are all opinions and they just don't take anything that I say for anything other than just have fun with this. Exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, it's a fun thing. I like to keep an eye on prices and, and the market. And so it's, I just find it interesting and totally. uh, share, share some information. Like I showed, I, I use card ladder. So I want to throw it out there if anyone happens to watch this and a card ladder probably doesn't want me doing this, but if anyone wants me to pull any data or past sales or charts, I'm more than willing, you know, save you the, the 12 bucks a month or whatever it is. Why pay it when I'm happy to share any information you'd want so that when you make these purchases, you could, you know, have hard data behind it and know and make sure you're paying the right prices and um, not getting taken advantage of and so forth. So Awesome. Let, you know, any anyone wants to hit me up let me know you, what's your you got any new videos coming out what do you got planned yeah one it's going to be kind of a non-baseball card one I, I also have a grill card to show but i'm going to show my wall off my collection wall i have every little cubby is a different part of my life and it's all my toys that i grew up with playing and they're actually my toys and my wife's toys and i also have memory boxes in there with like family members that have passed away and I have stuff from them up there. So I'm going to do an episode on that. Basically my collecting life, my wall is, my whole wall is my collecting life. So it, a lot of people might not tune in, but I don't care. It's for my like future self or family. And just, I just, I'm, I'm so much fun with this. It's just like, I have my own TV show now. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to be on your TV show? This is just like the coolest thing in the world. This brought, I never would have never would have had a chance to talk to you. I had I was on the phone today with uh, James Elite Hunters. Uh, no you know, just uh, all, that's the I told him today. I was like, that's the whole that's the whole reason I'm on YouTube is to be able to talk and and do these. So um, pricing is is not not what we do it for. We like it's to touch in on it, but totally this is, fun. It's yeah. totally fun and it, yeah. it's exciting and. Yeah, dude, you're going to the national, so we're gonna roommate together, two other guys, and we're gonna do it. It's gonna be awesome. I'm in, and I will, I will definitely be watching that next video. I love all your videos. Um, thanks. But yeah, Dylan, hey, thanks, man, and I hope we can do something again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for watching. Shaka later, Adam.